And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. In a comic book, you know what you'd be called? Dr. Mysterio. Dr. Mysterio. I'll have that. Who's the ghost? Masked vigilante, but he's... What? Super. This is Mr. Huffle. Mr. Huffle feels pain. Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who the hell are you anyway? I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Casterberus. I'm 903 years old, and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. You got a problem with that? No. In that case... Hello, Z! Would you like a jelly baby? My Sarah Jane. Oh, look, rocks. Wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey. Hey, watch it, space man. Boy, watch it, Earth girl. I will teach you the folly of your words, Doctor! Uh, Smith. Dr. John Smith. This is Duggan. He's a detective who's been kind enough to catch me. You always were an optimist, weren't you? Thank you for the compliment. Hello. Mate in six moves, Master. Hello and welcome to Who True Freaks, the show where a bunch of your favourite podcasters and myself get together to talk about Doctor Who. I am Dave Walker and today we have gathered a cadre of comic collectors with a penchant for Pertwee, a taste for Tennant and a craving for Capaldi. (laughs) Capaldi does sound like an exciting Italian dish, doesn't it? Kind of does. Like a sexy noodle. Hmm. I wonder if he's ever been described that way in public. (laughs) I have not. That's the problem. <laughs> well, as you can hear with me, um, we have the incredible hair metal hero himself, Chris Tyler. Hey, everybody. And, of course, the irredeemable Shag. This is why you reassembled me. Yep. Um, well, first, we just like to say um, uh, it's been a while since we've had a show, and that's due to the passing of our good friend, Sean. We, we know he really loved the show. I mean, that's why he started talking about Doctor Who with us. I mean, it's the whole point of the show. And we wanted it to continue, and you know... It was tough. It was tough trying to, trying, to, trying to pick up the pieces and go again. Sean, but, really, was the, Sean really was the cat wrangler. Yeah. And he, he was the spirit behind the show, so we've had a hard time finding it within ourselves. And, 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 and there yeah. hasn't been any new Doctor Who either for the most yeah. part since then either so it's been hard to find it in ourselves to keep going but I like this one enough that I thought I'll get everyone together to record something for it and I think it was one that he would have enjoyed and you know he, he, he was the one that brought us together and we always enjoyed having these chats and I wanted to continue so I invited everyone again and we're going to keep going for as long as we can in like yeah. the spirit of what Sean used to do he invited everyone, he put out a great plea a passionate plea, and only me and Chris showed up <laughs> <laughs> hey, people have other things they want to get done not everyone can always make it don't make excuses for them I won't make excuses for them <laughs> they've had like a year to figure out when how to get here <laughs> I know, it's not like you have to drive right uh-huh. well, hopefully I can find a slightly better time to get everyone together then you know 
But well, is, when we're talking talking about different time zones, what can you do? International. They're international. Yeah. But that's literally just because I'm the one who's here, you know. I'm, so what you're yeah. saying is it's a problem in time and space. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, yes. First, I think we should talk about any Doctor Who news we have. And since we haven't been together for quite a while... There's a bit. Th- it's been a little. Th- there have been a couple of things that have been announced, like the new companion. Yes, uh, Bill. Yes. Not not our Bill. Not Doctor oh. Who. Oh my god, he would be hilarious on Doctor Who. Wait, <laughs> is he not essentially Nardo? Essentially, well, with more hair. Better hair. Yeah. Better, better hair. But I'm pretty sure he'd more, be just as A little bit more funny. melanin. Yeah. Um... Does anyone have any thoughts on her at the minute? Um, they've, they've gone for an unknown again. Um, I don't see that she's done much. She's a chip shop worker, so she's just going to be salt of the earth. That's I, I love when the doctor just goes in and finds a normal person and whisks them off on magical adventures that, you know, they don't know what's coming, but she's going to be... I think she's going to be one of those kind of people that's like, all right, this is all weird, but I'm having a blast doing this. <laughs> I love her. I love her snarkiness. I mean, she in that you know that little snippet trailer you get, not the one for season ten, but the one where yeah. it's just her and the doctor doing dealing with the Dalek. She's she's genuinely funny, and it borderlines on the early obnoxiousness of Donna Noble in Runaway Bride. The first time we saw Donna, she was just obnoxious as hell, and like everyone hated her. Yeah. But you were supposed to. I didn't. In the very first time. Okay. No, I still didn't hate her. I have a thing for redheads, so. Well, she, I I do too. But she annoyed me. But, you know, she she was meant to be brash. Exactly. She was meant to be obnoxious. By the end of the episode, you're supposed to care for her. And then when they brought her back, it was supposed to be a big shock. And then by then, you were supposed to, you know, very over the course of the season, she became my favorite companion we've ever had. And so I think Bill has the potential to start off with that sort of a a little bit of annoyingness. And we're either going to become very endeared to her or she's going to become Melanie Bush, one or the other. (laughs) I don't mind Melanie either. Wow. You have a strong stomach, sir. Hey, I, I like Bush. Oh God! The Wait. band, the band. No, oh, not the band. Right. Way to keep it Screw them. <laughs> nah, she she looks like she could be fun. Plus, I think she refers to him as a professor, so hopefully that will continue. Because yes, that's you know, funny. All, all of the best companions call them uh, professor. Which yep. in no. in personal personal Doctor Who news, I I met uh, the seventh Doctor and Is last oh, year. Cool. Yeah. And I took a really awkward picture with both of them. So. <laughs> it's great. I, uh, in my own personal news, uh, last year, uh, since we recorded last, I went to Gallifrey One, which is a huge Doctor Who convention in Los Angeles, the largest Doctor Who convention in the United States. And, it's coming um, up again soon, yeah. It's, I'm going in just another week or two. That's right. Wow. Or, no, uh, a month, sorry. And it's going to be absolute blast. You know, Now, here you go. This leads into the next segment of news. One of the headliners last year, Sir John Hurt, and I saw him speak, and he was amazing. He was sharp. He was intelligent. He was energetic. Because when you see him in the uh, the the 50th anniversary special, he seems you know weary, worn, and run down. He was nothing like that in real life. He was very animated, very excited, very jovial. Really, a a great soul. And uh, as most of you listening, I'm sure you're Who fans, you know now that he has passed, and just just within a day or two of this recording, and um. He was. I'm so glad they got him on Doctor Who. He was a wonderful addition, uh, with that sort of backdoor way of fitting him into the continuity of the, of the series, yeah. and just so sad to lose him. But I'm so glad they got him in. I mean, he was he's was known as a mostly movie actor for a lot of the time, but he was happy enough to go to television for stuff like Merlin and Doctor Who and all that. You know, I I don't know if he was one of the earlier ones to make the transition back. But I think it's just a case of working yeah. actors going to work. Exactly. Going to go with the job. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, still, one of my favorite things that I probably didn't get for a while um, because I didn't realize it was him was the space ball scene. <laughs> yeah. With with the whole one frog not again pastiche. It's yeah. <laughs> the the fact that he was willing to make fun of himself that way as well or re- revisit old rules is fun. I liked him. Yeah. I still need to get myself the War Doctor screwdriver because I like that one. Well, he, he, he did a series. 
he he did come back even more for Big Finish, the audio drama folks. Oh, and cool! And did a couple War Doctor box sets. Uh, I don't know how many they have recorded. Um, they might even have some still in the can they haven't released. I don't know, but they're more adventures of the War Doctor, and it's John Hurt playing him. Interesting. Nice. If you want more John Hurt, definitely check those out from Big Finish. All right, all right. That's because that's that's what I was missing. You know, I I got like the five seconds in the kind of five minute Paul McGann special, and you know the Christmas special, or not Christmas special, the anniversary special, and mm-hmm. I, I've wanted more from him. Because yeah. there's a lot there. That, oh, yeah, I mean that's a definitely a fertile area to explore. Yeah. The, oh yeah, the doctor essentially at his lowest. I think and there might even be some books, but I mean, it, yeah. books are great. But it, when it's John Hurt actually saying delivering the lines, that's a whole different ball of wax there. Yeah. Oh. That 30th anniversary special still holds up, by the way. And the 30 and and for those of you who don't know with the show, the 30th anniversary is what launched this show. That's what originally started. Right? It was. Yep, in 2013, Sean started the show. Originally, the show was only supposed to last one year. We were going to do a one year of Doctor Who episodes. We are going to try and cover one episode from each Doctor. And at the end of it, Sean said, I'm having a blast. Let's just keep going. And we did. And, yeah. you know, we've taken, what, September 2015 was the last time there was an episode out. Pretty much. And so we've taken a little bit of a hiatus, much like Doctor Who itself. And, uh, you know, maybe we're, maybe this is the start of something, who knows? And, uh, mm-hmm. speaking of hiatuses, Doctor Who comes back in just a few months, what, the spring? Is it yes. this year? Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Moffat's last season, right? The showrunner? Thank Probably. goodness. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it, well, it's I mean, I mean, the only thing I can speak to to that is I, I got around to watching the first two seasons of Broadchurch, which is, um, Chibnall's the one that's the showrunner for that. Mm-hmm. And he's taken over Doctor Who. Uh, oh, cool. If you guys haven't watched it, Broadchurch is gripping television, uh, deeply affecting television, uh, very raw and very real. Um, I don't think that's the tone that they'll go with when he comes <laughs> on board. Uh, but the fact not. that there is good, well, um, yeah, just some of the subject matter. I won't spoil yeah. it. Um, right. But the fact that there will be somebody that's a fresh take. Doing these characters now, I'm I'm excited for, especially after watching Broadchurch. Well, to give you an example of Chibnall's range, he's obviously responsible for Broadchurch, and then on the flip side, he's responsible for episodes like Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, <laughs> which was a okay. Hoop. So is an absolute joy. That entire episode from start to finish is a blast. So as long as you just put dinosaurs in every single episode, every episode will be fantastic for me. Great. <laughs> or you could put the girl who played Nefertiti in every episode. That would be there cool too. Well, my, here's here's my hope of what happens is I hope that uh, with with the end of the Moffat era, I hope Capaldi goes as well. Uh, it's not that I dislike Capaldi. This has not been my favorite era though, and that's more down I think down to Moffat honestly, uh, as the tone of the series. But I, when David Tennant left, you know, so did Jay. Um, I was gonna say John Nathan Turner. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Russell, Russell T Davies. Uh, Russell T Davies left as well. And you got a real clean break. You got a new doctor, you got a new production crew, you got a new head writer, you got a new set. Everything started fresh. And Matt Season's first season, or Matt Matt Smith's first season, is pure gold. I love it. It's magical. You know, some episodes may not be the best, but that season is so full of excitement, so full of energy and direction. I mean, they're just going on all thrusters. And I think if when Matt Smith left and you had Peter Capaldi come in, it was a difficult transition because the same showrunner was there. A lot, a lot of the supporting cast was hanging around. They spent that whole bit where he was apologizing for not being Matt Smith because he was old and all that stuff. I just think that if you get a fresh doctor and a fresh showrunner, I think there'd be some kind of energy there that would, might just be amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could definitely work. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like Capaldi, but some of the stories they've been doing just haven't really been brilliant. It's it's hit or miss, but I I mean that could be down to Moffat just being on the show for too long. Yeah, I I, I would like to see a, a real strong finish for Capaldi with whatever they do because I, I you know when when he's on he's on. I mean that his You're first appearance right. his first appearance when he's talking to the uh, the robot there in the in Victoria London. You know, when you replace something so many times, like he's chilling in that. I, I, I was on board right from that. But um, so he's not been given the greatest stuff to work with, having to deal with a 
whiny. Um, Clara. Clara. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sad. It's sad when they made Danny Pink more interesting than Clara. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I love that character, but she, she she got saddled with some really twenty-something awful. Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about it. Well, they they, they turned her into the Tumblr audience. You know, they, they, <laughs> that's what they did. They, they looked at what was going on on Tumblr with with all the fan kids, and they're like, "Well, let's make her that." And they're like, "What?" But I, I, I agree. Capaldi is, he, he himself is excellent, but he's been saddled with the stories. And I, I will say though, I, I do feel like they've actually gone better as his time has gone on. Like I hated his yeah. first season. Mm-hmm. I actually, for the first time in 30 years, I stopped watching Doctor Who during his first season. I hated it that much. Then I came back and eventually watched the second season with him, which I guess is season nine. And that's actually quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good episodes in season nine. And then you get to the past two Christmas specials, the, the husbands of River Song. And then you get to this one that we're about to talk about eventually, and uh, I thought both of those were very entertaining. So I feel like Capaldi keeps the, or maybe it's Moffat, keeps creating better stories for him. Yeah. So. But it might also. Season ten will be awesome. Yeah, it might also be helping that he's not got Clara with him anymore, so he's not taking some of that baggage with him. Yeah. Because these, the Christmas specials have been the first two episodes with absolutely no Clara. So. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of a fresh break for the character with an entirely new companion now, hopefully. Yeah. So. I, I ho- agree with hopeful that. But for I, next I, season. Even the Clara episode, season 10, I'm telling you, season 10 was really good. So. Yeah, it still didn't Clara have the balls good. to actually or kill her. Nine, though. Season 9, I'm sorry. Season 9 was, what was that? It still didn't have the balls to actually kill her. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I, I have to touch on that, because that, that, I mean, that was the end of the last full season. The fact that he was ready to destroy the universe for it, that's great storytelling. The fact that she doesn't die, it's like, uh, you're kind of negating that whole thing. It's like, <laughs> she she got to go, man. Not everybody gets to live. Because Moffat's in love with her. I mean, if you... Well, I'm in love with her, too. I, geez, I would go to the ends of the universe for her, but, you know. Now she's Queen at- Victoria. If you look at Moffat's first season, every episode at some point acknowledges that she's pretty. They either say it, or she says it, or a character says it, or something. Every In her first season, everybody talks about how pretty she is. And I'm like, really? Is that necessary? I mean, yes, no denying it. We all agree. But that's not really needs to be. And I really got the feeling that Moffat was genuinely in love with Jenna Coleman, and that's probably why he couldn't bring himself to kill her. I'm going to have to rewatch all of those. Watch those Matt Smith episodes. Watch those Matt Smith episodes, man. I'm telling you, with her, they, it's just constant talking about how pretty she is. Damn it, I'm thinking back to it and I can't find anything to rebut that. Damn it. <laughs> you should probably get used to that. I we're already used to it. Like we probably said Shag was right in the last episode. There you go. Don't, no, don't admit that he's right, it gives him power. Feed the beast, feed the beast. <laughs> If so I tell other, him that, he might come back. Leave the bread. There's a, lot of other, there's a lot of other crazy rumors. I mean, there's like there's a crazy rumor that Peter Jackson might direct an episode. Um, <laughs> that they, would they be still, awesome. Bring all the hobbits. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, they could bring um, uh, uh, Sylvester McCoy. They they talked about the, the whole season will run in the spring, or will launch in the spring, so it's not like we're going to have a broken up season again. Oh, we'll start in the awesome. spring, hopefully April. Um, now, if you guys, if, I didn't know this. Someone had to point this out to me. If you watch the trailer for season ten, where there's all the explosions and people running around and stuff like that, apparently in the trailer is an old foe of the Doctors that we haven't seen in many, many years, uh, or I should say, a race, if you will. <laughs> it is the Mavellans, and these are the guys from Destiny of the Daleks that wore the whole white padded suit, uh, and they were African American and they had like the um, the uh, Jamaica hair beads, you know, kind of thing. And they were robots. They were, yeah, they were the robots fighting the Doctor. I'm fighting the Daleks, I mean. And apparently the Mavellans are going to be in this. Cool. Do you reckon there's more? Do you reckon they're still fighting the Daleks because they're due back as well? I'm sure it'll be Dalek related. It would be be weird for it not to, or it could be just a throwaway (laughs) thing too. It might be nothing, but it's Moffat's good bringing back classic stuff. I, I do like when older stuff comes back, even when I can't remember that it actually happened. I, I, I mean, even if I saw those guys, I probably wouldn't even remember them. Um, it's been a while since I watched the older ones. I'm gonna have to start I guess, watching them again. 
I guess Destiny of the Daleks was just formative for me as a kid because it was, mm. you know, Lala Ward's first one. And that's when she's got that awesome, like, pink jacket on. She, she, she looks like a female version of the Doctor. She's got a long jacket on and a scarf and boots and everything. And uh, just heart goes pitter-patter when I think about that episode. Woof. It's not the one where Luke Rocks comes from. Who? When the Doctor says, Luke Rocks. Because I hear that fairly regularly when I'm listening um, to <laughs> I don't know. No, that's probably more like Revenge of the Cybermen, I would think. I was pretty sure it was a Dalek one. Just after Could be Genesis, on Genesis Could be Genesis of the Daleks. No, I'm pretty sure it was one with, uh, what do you call her? With Romana? Then maybe it is Destiny of the Daleks. Cool. This I'll is, have this to is rewatch. Com- this is compelling podcasting right here. Yes. yes. Where, where did that one line come from? Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the one other bit of news that... It's still technically news for you guys, I guess, since it's before it comes out for you, is um, a Doctor Who-related kind of TV show has started um, a new spin-off called Class yes um, I've seen the first half of the season and I've enjoyed it I just haven't found the time to finish it up but I my, my problem with the first episode was that the Doctor showed up in it and I wanted more Doctor because I haven't had a freaking season of Doctor Who in over a year <laughs> <laughs> So maybe it'll be better for you guys because hopefully it'll be showing up around the same time as the new season. Well, it's supposed to be over here in the states on BBC America here in the spring. Um, yeah. You know, certainly we have access if we want to find it through the, you know, interwebs. I have not done so, but uh, it, you know, the, the trailers look great. It looks fun. Yeah. Now, would you, if you had to compare it to say, I don't know, Torchwood, the early Torchwoods or the early Sarah Jane Adventures, both also spin-offs of Doctor Who, uh, how would you rate it? Do you know what? It's basically like a cross between the two of those. It's darker than Sarah Jane, but not as dark as Torchwood. Okay. You know, it's it's still got kind of um, it's it's a young adult thing. Um, it would be more that age range, you know, the age range of the actual kids in it. It's it's not been bad. Um, Is it darker than Doctor be- Who? A little bit, a little bit darker than Doctor Who, but not as dark as the darkest okay. Doctor Who. You know. Okay. Right. You know, it's it it kept a, the same kind of theme in the first few episodes I've seen. You know, it might it might completely switch around at the end and become light and happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm guessing not, but hey, who knows? Uh, but definitely darker than Sarah Jane. But I haven't seen all of Sarah Jane, so I don't know how dark it went. That's okay. Wow, uh, it's right. like I said, it feels like it's somewhere in the middle. And it's Cole Hill High School, right? Whole, uh, Coal Hill, Hill Academy. It's been upgraded. Um, oh, the school, the school has been rebuilt and turned into a ca- an academy of some kind. So, hmm. Yeah, it's all fancy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any reference to Ian Chesterton? I don't think so. Um, I know he was on the board of governors last time we heard about him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah from the thirtieth anniversary or fiftieth anniversary special. Yeah. So, you know. Um, the kids seem fairly decent actors. Um, they seem like kids as well, which is nice. You know, it's not forty-year-olds playing fifteen-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> you know, what which, could create an interesting spin-off potential is since that's more of an ensemble cast. One of those characters could leave that show and become a a, a companion on Doctor Who. That wouldn't be unreasonable. That could work. Yeah, that would be it, interesting. They could just create an entire high school for raising Doctor Who companions. That'd be great. <laughs> yes, I'm in the Accelerated Companion Program. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to Class Screaming 101. <laughs> Today in physical education, we're going to be studying how to twist your ankle while you're running. How to get up from such injury and stagger against the wall for 30 seconds. Right. Good morning, class. Welcome to Mary Sue 101. Your job is to develop all kinds of unheard of powers and save the doctor every week. That was Clara. Yes, Amy, questions from you? Oh, Clara, from you? Oh, Rose, any questions? Perfect, no, no, no. thank you. That'd be the special guest speakers, because they're, they're outside of school age, Non. Oh, good point, good point. Yeah, they're all legal. <laughs> uh, it's... Well, technically, Amy could have written an entire textbook for them. You know? That's probably... I mean, she is a writer. 
Yeah. Hey, Dave? Yes? Do I, do I hear sleigh bells? Are those sleigh bells? I'm not sure. Maybe we should check outside the window. We should. It might be time for Christmas. It might be time for the Christmas special. It's always time for Christmas. Always time for Christmas. Even though we're well over a month since actual Christmas, but technically we're early for the next one. That's so right. Let's get into it then. Um, so, the episode we are looking at today is The Return of Dr. Mysterio. And because it was the Christmas special, it aired on the 25th of December 2016. If you need me to tell you these things, I, I, I would be slightly worried, but... There it is. <laughs> uh, the episode was directed by Ed Bazalget. Wow. Uh, Bazalget. Ed Bazalget. Oh, yes, Basil. Basil. Oh, right. Yes, I remember. He was a, he was a Sherlock Holmes foe. Ah. Uh, it was <laughs> written by Stephen Moffat. The script editor was Nick Lambon. Produced by Peter Bennett with executive producers Stephen Moffat and Brian Minshew. The doctor was Peter Capaldi. Matt Lucas was there as Nardole. Uh, Justin Chatwin was there as Grant Gordon, uh, the ghost. Charity Wickfield as Lucy Fletcher. Um, is Andy the one that pronounces the slightly odder names? Um, <laughs> Usually. I kind, of, I kind of wish he was here. Um, Ada Tamiwa Edun as Mr. Brock. Alexander Jovanovic as Dr. Sim. Logan Hoffman was young Grant and Daniel Lorette was teen Grant. And... Thank you to Wikipedia for this synopsis, which has been stolen for brevity purposes. <laughs> yeah. In New York City on Christmas Eve of 1992, an eight-year-old boy named Grant wakes to find the doctor dangling outside the window of his family's apartment and helps him come into his bedroom. Okay. Taking the boy to the rooftop, the doctor reveals he accidentally set off a trap for a device he was building and enlists him to help complete it. However, Grant mistakenly swallows a wish-granting gemstone needed for the device, believing it to be medicine, effectively being granted his wish to be a superhero. Abandoning the device, Dr. Nick's Grant promised not to use his new superpowers before he leaves. Returning to New York in 2016 with Nardole, whom he rebuilt from Hydroflex's body, the doctor yeah. conducts an investigation into Harmony Shoal, a multinational research company. Discovering a news reporter named Lucy Fletcher also performing a similar investigation. The group discover that it is being secretly run by a group of living alien brains that transplant themselves into any living creature they need for their plans. Killing the company's owner, Mr. Brock, for his body. Ah, this is so horrible. Um, this is what now I get for stealing from Wikipedia. Now you know where Sean had to go. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay, just start just start at a point start, you're comfortable yeah. with and edit all this crap out. Uh, it's gonna be every frickin' sentence. Um, <coughs> the group discovered that it is being secretly run by a group of living alien brains that transplant themselves into every, any living creature they need for their plans, killing the company's owner Mr. Brock with his body. Tracked down by Dr. Sims, an employee the brains already took over, the group suddenly are rescued by a masked superhero named the Ghost, who transports Lucy close to her home. Returning to her apartment before her, the ghost transforms back into Grant, who works for Lucy as a nanny, only, only to be shocked to find the Doctor and Nardo waiting for him, having tracked him down via the gemstone fused to him. When Lucy returns and sees the Time Lord, the Doctor reveals to her that the alien brains colonize planets by taking control of their prominent leaders, with Earth being their next target. Leaving Lucy to prepare for an interview with Grant's alter ego, the Doctor and Nardole track down the alien's ship in a low orbit and board it via the TARDIS. On board, they discover that the ship's reactor is in a critical state and realize from Dr. Sims that he intends to drop it on New York. Remembering an observation made by Nardole, the Doctor realizes the city would be vaporized except for the Harmony Shoal building that the world leaders would take shelter in the company's other buildings within each capital city in the belief that Earth was under attack, effectively allowing the brains to take them over. After Dr. Sim lets slip the ship is to be dropped at a designated time, the Doctor reprograms it to begin descending ahead of schedule. schedule. Attending his interview, Grant and Lucy become captured by the brains who intend to transplant themselves into the ghost's body. 
Breaking free and secretly returning as himself, Grant picks up a message from the Doctor requesting his help to stop the alien ship from crashing into the city after being unable to change its course during its descent. Revealing himself as the ghost to Lucy in stopping the ship on the rooftop, Grant finally manages to win her over and takes her in tow as he disposes of the ship, while the Doctor alerts Unit, who subsequently shut down Harmony Shoal, unaware that the alien being in Doctor Sim has escaped within one of their soldiers. Back at Lucy's apartment, Grant informs the Doctor that he will no longer use his paws, though as the Time Lord leaves, Lucy asks him why he is sad. Not giving a straight answer, not giving a straight answer as he leaves, Nardole reveals that he is still mourning the loss of Mother's song, but will hopefully recover, leaving with the Doctor to aid him further. The end. There you go. I, I really appreciate Sean for all this now. You know? That's <laughs> so funny. Yep. T- to be honest, I kind of want to leave all of that in just so people know what he had to go through. Dear God. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Some, I, synopsizing is the worst part of podcasting. I, I tried doing it myself. I, I started typing up. I got like 10, 15 minutes into the episode and was starting on my second page. Yeah, exactly. Oh crap! I, I, if if I don't cut this down, I I will just end up explaining everything that happened in the episode with every little kind of reference yep. and everything worked in. Which, while nice for some things, doesn't leave us much to talk about after. Exactly, <laughs> you gotta go mm-hmm. high level. So I high thought, level stuff. Steal from Wikipedia because that'll work. No, it won't. <laughs> I, yeah. Wow. But anyway, um, I really enjoyed this episode. There was a whole bunch for me to enjoy. Um, lots of little references to pretty much everything comic book related. And, oh my gosh, there's so many. And I was with my sister uh, um, who, uh, and my family, because that's where I was for Christmas, and everyone seemed to enjoy the episode. So wide-ranging appeal is always good. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Chris. Alright, um, talk about, um, kind of serving up exactly what <laughs> the three of us would, would really want from an episode. Um, superheroes plus Doctor Who, why not? Can't believe it hasn't been done before. Um, and it, it and it could have been something that was very trite and, um, contrived. Um, but the fact that they made this idea work. Uh, and be as fun as it was is uh, just a testament to when this show is is on all cylinders. It it does work well. Um, I'm, I remember seeing the ads. I go, how the heck is this even going to be a thing? Are they did did they accidentally go to like a comic book dimension or something? Nope. <laughs> so just just a precocious kid and the doctor being the doctor, and lo and behold, you get a, a Donner Superman pastiche. I was stunned at how much fun it was. I uh, I was envisioning, like you said, an alternate dimension. I mean, there's been a series of Doctor Who novels and stuff where the Doctor would go to the land of fiction or something where they run into superheroes, and it's always campy and ridiculous. And I was kind of like, I was dreading this, actually, after uh, some previous Christmas specials. I mean, I, I liked Husbands of River Song, but some of the other ones yeah, have yeah. been a little bit syrupy here and yeah. there, and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a miss. And uh, I... I ended up watching it probably a week after Christmas because I just couldn't get myself interested in doing it, and I had a complete blast with this thing. It, it put its, it firmly put the tongue in the cheek, and it just went for it. And it had so many Superman references. I mean, we probably need to spend a few minutes at some point just going through a lot of the nods to superhero fiction, but oh, uh, yeah. it was it was absolutely joyful. It was really really fun, and I enjoy. I liked all the actors in it, the goofiness of it, and uh, I I had a blast. Yeah, but I, I think the important thing we need to talk about is the breakout character from the episode, Mr. Huffle. <laughs> I hope they find a way to bring him oh, yeah. back. He's in my notes too, actually. <laughs> well, he's he's on the yeah. control panel of the TARDIS now, so... He, is he real? Oh, did, yeah. okay. Yeah, he, he places he a lot at him? the end. Oh, that's right, that's right. So, ho- hopefully he'll, he'll be the new um, Handles. <laughs> oh jeez! 
we'll get nice. more of him. It'd be great. Um, so yeah, they 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 cast uh, Justin Chatwin, who is in who is himself a Superman reference. Do you guys know where he's from? How's that? I knew he's from Canada. Um, well, he was the really crappy version of Son Goku from the Dragon Ball movie. Yes. Which, to be honest, seeing him in this makes me think, oh, do you know what the problem with that was? The entire script the was expletive deleted. Well, he, he was on the first couple seasons of the U.S. version of Shameless uh, as really? well, playing a very different character. Was he in Smallville for a little bit, too? He was in the first episode. Okay. He uh, is in oh. the background. Uh, if I'm remembering the scene right, he's standing uh, behind uh, Whitney Fordman's shoulder um, in uh, just after the dance when all of the cars are piled up on each other. Yeah, okay. that's not even very vague at all. Wow. Dude, how do that's, you know that? <laughs> that's 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. Right? I've, well, I've seen that episode many times. I haven't watched it in quite a while, but I... Remember looking up um, Goku at the time to see where I'd seen him before because I knew I recognized him, and saw that he'd been in Smallville and in the first episode, watched it, and there he was. So I remember okay. where he was from. Yeah, he's he's a pretty decent actor when you give him the right stuff to work yeah. with because you know um, he pulled off the the dual identity thing great in this. Yes, he, does, he really did. He does it better than some uh, what do you call it? Some movie actors have done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, kind of. To be honest, I think he technically does it better than Tobey Maguire did. Which is, um, I feel I feel well, bad about saying it, but that's just because there is no. Really and I much love of those Spider-Man movies, but but Tobey did not get the dual personality thing down at all. Tobey Maguire was a great Spider-Man for when he did it, because no one else was really doing stuff like that. But unfortunately for him, other people have come along who've been able to do it better, which I feel really bad about saying. Because I, I like those films, but they're gradually getting worse the more I get more better stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and that's fair. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. but in about you know in about ten or fifteen years, they'll be so retro, we'll love them again. So. Yeah, I still love them. I love all three of them. I don't care what anybody says. The dance there... number in the third one, really? <laughs> yeah, I got no problem with that. I had okay. no problem with that. Instead of Peter, Peter would never become an absolute jerk. He would just become kind of a douche if he got it corrupted by the Venom symbiote. Yeah, okay. the, the problem I have with the Spider-Man films is basically one one major thing, and that's his villains keep dying, and they all die from suicide. <laughs> <laughs> next next time you're watching them, just watch through and see how everyone he fights ends up dying through their own kind of means. Right, well, that's gonna, the thing, I'm, right? Remember? Well, I was going to use that as a springboard to bring us back to Doctor Who. Uh, a couple well, of Spider-Man things in this yeah. episode. Uh, yeah. the, doc- the doctor actually says, with great power comes great responsibility. And then, yeah. uh, in my re- this doesn't have anything to do with this episode, but it is Doctor Who related. In my research for this episode, I discovered, I had no idea, Andrew Garfield, the guy who played in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, <laughs> was in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, he's in Daleks in Manhattan. I had yep. no yep. idea. I knew that. Because well, I refused to watch Dale- rewatch Dallas in Manhattan because it was so bad that I didn't stumble across that. I had no idea. He, let's put it this way. His accent is terrible. They got someone better to coach him for the, for the Spider-Man films. Which, if you okay. think his accent is still terrible, just watch a clip of him in Dallas of New York. I remember it being not brilliant. You know? <laughs> no, it was I, not. I remember that it whole, both episodes being not brilliant, so. <laughs> I, an, I thought they were okay. It, it was an interesting like idea. It was an interesting idea. I just didn't think it worked rather well. I can't wait I, to hear your review of Time Lash, Chris. So, um, um, but um, yeah, also, well. um, Lucy lives above Joe's Pizza, which apparently was where Peter Parker worked in Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Um, I wonder oh, if that's a coincidence. That no, was, no, that's a re- that's really vague. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I think really? whoever wrote, I I think that your guy Moffat, he probably loved so many things. He he looked up a bunch of stuff. Um, the the entire conversation about um, Spider Man and being bitten yeah. by the radioactive spider. <laughs> I've had that conversation. Vomiting. 
<laughs> well, that was hilarious. And then one of the things I came across that I had forgotten is one of the, somebody has postulated that that's more than just a gag. That's saying what happened to him as the third Doctor in Return in, in Planet of the oh, Spiders uh, when he got bit by a radioactive spider and died. That's a point. Oh, yeah. that's hilarious. All right, all right. I, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I didn't even think that through. That's a double reference. Yeah, Meta. So nicely done. Wow. Cool. Um, so that's that's the Spider-Man references out of the way. So. Uh, you guys don't plan on being anywhere for a while, right? <laughs> oh, no. I'm good. Let, let's go to the Superman references. Oh, so, gosh. This is where we need someone like Andy Leyland, who should feel horribly guilty for not being here, uh, who's a real sp- Superman expert, because we're going to catch some, and he's going to be listening on his headphones going, no, 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 they missed tons of stuff. Yes. You like but, my British accent? <laughs> you made Andy sound like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's not but, a dick. I, like I only get... A bit. I only get away with having a British accent because technically I'm part of Britain, but, you know, um, if I try to do any of the English ones, I sound like um, everyone who's ever tried to do an Irish accent, ever. Particularly oh, okay. uh, Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I try not to, so I don't insult them. But, oh, I don't yeah. care about insulting. I did look at the Superman comics today. Because I knew they were Burn, so I knew roughly when they were from. Because I wanted to identify them. Um, I, I, I saw the cover to one of them, and I couldn't work out what one of the covers was, and it's really annoying me now. But the two that he actually looks at, that I could see, were Superman, Volume 2, Issue 7. Mm. That's the one that he draws the glasses onto. And yes. Superman, Volume 2, Issue 19, which is where we get to see... Um, I think we got to see a quick picture of Maggie Sawyer and G- uh, Jimmy Olsen's mom, um, which is how I realized roughly where it was from, because um, that helped a lot to narrow it down for me. Um, but the issue 19, I think, was picked for a very specific reason, because it starts off with a spaceship crashing towards uh, Metropolis, uh, and it causes a bright light, which Jimmy mistakes for a nuke. So, mm. they referenced that using that. So someone researched appropriate Superman comics of the era in order to kind of throw that yeah. in. All the, all the posters on the wall looked of the era as well. I didn't see anything that was anachronistic that I could yeah. pick up. The Wikipedia right, entry, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say the Wikipedia put it at 1992, but it could technically be any time kind of within that era. 88 onwards. Yeah, because I mean, that, yeah, 88's when that Superman comic's from, but that doesn't mean the kid didn't have it yeah. laying around. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And 92 works, uh, and you pointed this out to me off air, because they say it's been 24 years since he's known mm-hmm. that girl or whatever it is. And so it could be that 24, you know, 24, 2016 gets you back to 92. So, yeah. Yeah. But, like I said, we don't we don't know when specifically you know, he was counting from, so... But yes, you were going to say something, and I interrupted, sorry. <laughs> no idea. Oh, the sp- just the posters. The posters, yeah, I mean, yeah. you've got some awesome Marvel posters. Like, every time I see something like that, I always can't help my my mind goes to, I wonder if they had to pay Marvel or Disney a royalty for that, that kind of thing. But there were some great Defenders posters, there was Spider-Man, um, a lot of cool Marvel posters on the wall, and a Batman poster on the wall, which was very nice. Yeah, I like Batman that does that- get referenced in the in the episode. I like that he was, uh, what do you call it? They, they showed him as an actual kind of comic geek who didn't just pick one company and stick with it. You know, he liked a variety. Yeah. Yeah, when I was eight years old, I, I liked everything. I still like everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't start getting kind of comics properly until 2000, but I was always trying to watch the various cartoon shows, no matter who they were. Um, I'm pretty sure I. I caught the old Fantastic Four cartoons in the morning, the old Aquaman cartoons, um, yep. all that kind of stuff, you know, because, do you know what? It was fun, and it makes sense for a kid of his age to have all of that stuff plastered up all around his walls. Well, there's two things in that. One is that, you know, it's great that the, I love that the Doctor just doesn't get comic books. Like, yeah. You know, he's talking about how Clark Kent is actually <laughs> Superman, and he's acting like that's some huge revelation, which is so funny, or that it's real. He's either treating it as he doesn't get the way comic fiction works, or he genuinely thinks Superman and Clark Kent are real people, and he's sharing some <laughs> astonishing information. But the other is yeah. um, Doctor Who 
has always been about tapping into whatever's popular in the pop culture. Uh-huh. You know, if you look back at Tom Baker, his you know his dark gothic horror seasons with Philip uh, Hincliffe, you know where they do you know Talons of Wang Chiang and all their yeah, I don't know if I'm getting my episodes right, but you know Horror Fang Rock, all those sort of horror related episodes, that Season was in two? the culture. Yeah, all all those were in the culture at the time. You know, p- people were watching the Hammer films and things like that. It was horror was a big deal in the 70s when those episodes were being developed. So mm-hmm. Doctor Who always tends to find what's big in pop culture and bring it in. And so putting superheroes in here, especially at a time where there's so many superhero movies out every year that are billion-dollar, you know, endeavors, it makes perfect sense. And the thing about this is we've had a lot of superheroes on TV, and I think they could do a series with The Ghost. I yeah. don't think they will, but, you know, they put we enough don't... behind the the character, at least briefly, when we saw him, to kind of make you believe the entire story. Well, they've done a sequel already. Really? Uh, called, yeah, I called Ghost Stories. I haven't. It's apparently in comic book form. I I don't know. I didn't find out about it till this morning when we were getting ready for this episode. It's got the ghost. It's got Lucy. It's got the baby Jennifer. It's got the Doctor. And um, apparently, it's oh. a comic book sequel to this called Ghost Stories. So definitely, I'm going to be seeking it out. Yeah, I'm nice. going to hunt for that. If if I can't find it um, physically, I'll grab it digitally. You know. Mm-hmm. They have, they'll probably have it on Comixology somewhere. Or whatever other service people choose to use. That like, Comixology is owned by Amazon, and Two True Freaks has an Amazon link, so, you know. There you go. Synergy. If you, buy it, if you buy it through there, it'll be fine. Well, it might have just been a, a, an exclusive on the BBC website. Just do a little research. We don't have the facts yeah. at this point, folks. But yeah, um, the Harmony Shore building. Oh my god. Yeah. Was, you mean was the Daily Planet building? Yeah. <laughs> and that, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, I I was talking at the same time you were. Go ahead. No, um, just I uh, the the kind of pull in on that. It's how, how most people zoom in on the Daily Planet building whenever it shows up. They always have that opening shot of coming over the city towards the spinning globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll just do rapid fire and a bunch of little mm-hmm. ones. Like you know, they mentioned Siegel and Schuster. In the, yep, in the, yep. in the press conference, you know, there's a great line where he's talking to her and he says, I hope this hasn't put you off your career in journalism, <laughs> which is sort of yeah. a Christopher Reeves thing. Uh, the, the father of the baby is, yep. his last name is Lombard. Lombard? So yeah, I was cracking up laughing. You gotta assume that's a Steve Lombard reference. That totally sounds like a douche move he would do, which would get a girl Pretty pregnant much. and leave. Uh, I didn't pick up on this one. This one I gotta give credit to the internet. Grant, his last name is Gordon. I didn't even pick up on the alliteration. Grant Gordon. It's like, yeah. oh, God, I feel stupid. How did, how did I get that? He's called Justin, so Grant Justin. Just saying. Close enough for, for Jazz, right? Grant. Uh, you've, you've totally Grant, lost me. Grant Gustin is oh, Barry oh, Allen. Oh, Grant Gustin. Oh. It's, it okay. sounds the same. It's, it's. <laughs> So those are the real obvious. I mean, then there's the, you know the the cut shots, the way he flies, and things like that. But those were the real obvious ones. I happen to jot down. Please, if you got more, throw them out there. Well, the, he basically the, had Kyle Rayner's crab mask. Yep. Yes, um, he did. You you went with um, Gordon be, uh, being part of the alliteration, Flash Gordon. Yeah, why not? Could be related to that. Oh. Um, the ghost. Lucy, Lom- Lucy Lombard didn't even think about that. Yep. Um, LL. LL specifically. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> the fact he's called the ghost, um, as far as I remember, the the Phantom is kind of the original um, costumed adventure for comic mm-hmm. books, so mm-hmm. that could be a reference to that as well. I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, I, lo- I love how he did the, the, the little PSA when uh, there's the fire, he's like, <laughs> oh, we check your smoke detector. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was classic. Uh, yeah, Lucy mentions the bat signal being in a beeper form now, or an oh, app, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Uh, like summoning. Did, did we mention summoning Grant with the frequency only he can hear? Yeah. Oh, that's good that's point. right. Good point. Yeah, and don't forget, he threw the thing into the sun. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to throw that in the sun with your gun. Which proves that. After after he was done with Grant, he went and read every Superman comic ever, and knew that's how things had to work. Right, it could be. That's that's a very Seventh Doctor sort of thing to do. Yeah. But what did you guys think of not Lex Luthor? 
because, I mean, overall, the, the villains weren't really the point of this episode. Yeah. They, they're serviceable, um, especially when you see the little blinky eyes on the brains. Like, that was kind of mm. creepy. Um, the zipper head uh, effect was pretty good. Um, I mean, they were serviceable for what it is. I mean, they weren't going to... Obviously, they, they the villain is more of a Doctor Who villain. They weren't going to have a Lex Luthor or, yeah. you know, a dark side for for the ghost to be involved with. So it's, I mean, it works. It wasn't, it wasn't the greatest thing, but it got the job done. The plan was good. Yeah, it almost feels like they're, I guess the word, I don't know if MacGuffin really fits this right or not, but I mean, it seems like they really weren't that necessary. They were just there to, to allow them to forward the superhero story is what it felt like. They were just, there was enough of them in the, in the story to keep it going without us really caring who they are. It's sort of like villains in the Avengers movies. Like in the first Avengers movie, the, those aliens who come down from space or from the other dimension, they don't matter who they are. It doesn't matter their names, their motivations. They're just there to fight, to move the story forward. And that's kind of what the bad guys felt. Like, I did think it was interesting that the bad guys' heads split open in the same way as they did in the previous Doctor Who special. Previous they, Christmas special. They are the same uh, race. Um, the In the Husbands of River, River Song, they are referred to as the Shoal of Winter Harmony. Oh, okay. That, that's okay. who is purchasing the thing, and obviously that's Harmony Shoal, which, because it's been a year, you haven't realized that the connection there. All right, yeah. so, all right, so this thread is going to be ongoing, yeah, especially it, since one of them got away at the end. Pretty much. I'm thinking that they're going to be the kind of season finale villain this year. All right, all right. You okay. Know, I, I feel like that's where they're going to go. But I personally like the fact that they had Alex Luther. He seemed like he was the bad guy, and then he wasn't until he was. <laughs> until they stuck another brain in him. Yeah. You know? He, he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. Which was right. an interesting way to twist it. I do like well, his comment, so, like, so was having Grampy and Nanny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. The most mundane thing possible. But he does a good job at both. You know? Yeah. And that, was, that was really sweet what she says uh, when he's he's got the, the shuttle in one hand. I like you with your, suit, your other costume better and she puts the glasses on him. That was... Uh, it could come off as really syrupy, but that was sweet. Uh, I really appreciated that. I agree. Also, please don't slap me. I think I'm holding a bomb. <laughs> I can see that's you can totally picture Christopher Reeve saying that. You yeah. know, it's like oh, this, seems, this seems more like a Dean Cain line to me. But yes, either or, way, or Dean, yeah. Now, uh, here's the thing about the title. Something else I found in my research was the title. Uh, you know, Return of Doctor Mysterio. Apparently. Where the ta- where some of this came from was they were at a convention, a doctor convention. Uh, Stephen Moffat was at a doctor convention in Mexico, and in Mexico, apparently Doctor Who is translated as Doctor Mysterio. Okay, oh, because cool. Doctor because Doctor K, which is what you would think, you know, Q U E, uh, Doctor K doesn't really translate very well, <laughs> so they say Doctor Mysterio. And when they were watching the show and they heard this announcer like over again, like Doctor Mysterio. Sort of thing. He like they just fell in love with it. They were so compelled by it, they had to find a way to make it work in the show, and so that sort of inspired some of this stuff for this episode. And in fact, nice. apparently, when Peter Capaldi says "Doctor Mysterio," yes, I'll be having that. Apparently, that is sort of the way the announcer says it in the Mexican translation. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I did not realize that. I had no now idea. I, now I want to see the Doctor wear a luchador mask. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, do you reckon that'll be the next Christmas special where he has to go and become a luchadore? Actually, you know, have, have Nardal wear the luchador mask. He's shown that he'll wear anything. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I like that my... they brought him back. I well, did too. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. He was very entertaining. I, I didn't know what to think. He w- The actor's funny, but he's, like, not my favorite in the world. Hmm. Like, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, and it's always like, okay, he's funny in small doses. And I enjoyed him in the Husbands of River Song, but I was very worried when I saw he was going to be in this one. I'm like, oh, it's going to be too much of a good joke, you know? Um, and But I thought he did a really good job. And I see yeah. he's in the trailer for yeah. season 10, at least for some of it. And so this this could work well if they continue to use him in small doses. The interplay between the two is rather well done. Yeah. Just the... Um... Well, he calls the doctor on his crap. Yeah. 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 He's not afraid to. And it... And he's not a jerk about it either. Like he, it's not like he's some horrible person that the doctor's hooked up with. He's the doctor saved his life, but he's still going to be 
honest mm-hmm. with them. And it's it's also a nice break from getting away from the previous um, reoccurring characters. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the, the well has been tapped on episodes for now with the, uh, the Pat, Paternoster gang and some of the other reoccurring people. So you might as well throw something new in. And he can fly the TARDIS. That's right. Except he gets yeah. stuck in 12th century Constantinople. He got a sweet outfit out of it. He got to be pharaoh, right? Or a ruler or a king or something yeah, like that? I think it's king. But can yeah. anyone tell me uh, what the current name of it is? Current uh, name of uh, Constantinople? Constantinople? Istanbul? Istanbul? It's, it's Constantinople, yeah, okay. <laughs> it took you a minute. <laughs> We, we, it took us a minute, but we caught up with you. Hey, keep in mind, over here in the States, it's early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I know. But, yeah, I, I tried to see where exactly um, Nardole's reign would fit in. I couldn't find anywhere specific in 20th century Constantinople. My <laughs> <laughs> daddy went by Nardole. <laughs> yeah, I know. I couldn't figure out which one he would have been, but, you know, maybe he was maybe he was in charge whilst other people were doing stuff. Yeah. Power behind the power. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a standout in the last Christmas episode, and uh, I just have to touch on that too because the bad guy in that with the removable head was the, <laughs> the horrible headmaster on uh, on uh, the Inbetweeners, <laughs> which um, that show was amazing. Okay, not for the I, children. I'm oh, really? sorry, okay. I never saw it. Oh my god, if, it's, it's if one of our were, shows as well. Sorry, and it's it, <laughs> I had a long conversation with Andy. Uh, one time about it. It's like, I picked up a lot of great slang, Andy, for that show. Thank you. It's like, it's amazing. It's, uh, if you want a, a look back at, um, your horrible days in high school, oh. <laughs> watch that show. Okay. Not horrible, but, uh, it's, yeah. it's very much a boys talking to other boys and being as rude as possible. Sounds like a fair representation then, alright? Uh, yes. Pretty much you can put somebody you know into one of the archetypes on the show. It's amazing. Nice. Nice. So my, you're talking about next year's Christmas special. My money is on the 2017 Christmas special will be the death of Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Do we do we think he's going to be the one that reclaims Gallifrey? Do you think Capaldi is going to be the one that actually finds the planet, or is that something they're going to push out even longer? Didn't well, they, they found it now, didn't it? they? I mean, there was the whole thing with at the end with, with Clara and the Time Lords and... The, the reason... Them. Part of the reason why I want to see more John Hurt stuff because because of the Time War, everyone gets on the side of the Doctor. Remember, um... The, he, go, he goes to Gallifrey and he, he yeah. takes out the President and everything. Oh, punched, okay. Do you remember that crappy episode in that season where he punches his way through the magic... Are you kidding me? Crappy episode. That was the best episode of the season. <laughs> Sorry. Which one was that one? The, the one where the doctor has to keep repeating things over and over and over. He's trapped in the in the confession dial. Oh, that was... Yeah. I loved that. That was awesome. That was an amazing episode. You're <laughs> crazy, David. Toward the force with that one. I couldn't remember what happened in it, except he spent most of the time punching it. I was going, okay. He punched for thousands of years. Yes. It's amazing. But Billion, he, billions or billions. How could you forget what happened? They, pl- they played every scene seven times in that episode. That I think that's what annoyed me. I think I enjoyed it, but it, that part annoyed me about it. And I enjoyed other episodes more, like the last one I think I enjoyed purely for the kind of standing with the Doctor scene. But yeah. I've only seen the episodes once. Okay. I need to rewatch them all again. You can skip the Flood episodes. Those are fine. Um... um what was it? Uh, that season did have one of my favorite bits. I think it was actually in the flood episodes, but just uh, of the bootstrap paradox explanation with yeah. Beethoven. That yeah, that's that one of the better things from that season. Yeah. Yes. I'll give you that, but I just uh, but yeah. those, flood, those flood episodes were like bad. <laughs> but yes, I honestly can't remember exactly what happened in those episodes. That's why I said. That, so you need to go back and watch the last two or three episodes of the season. They're very good. Yeah. Yes. I need to watch. I need to watch all of them again so I can remember the entire thing, so I know which ones are actually crappy and which ones are not just him <laughs> punching for 
thousands of years, millions of years, if you, whatever. If you, wa- if you watch the Davros episode, just watch part one. Because part one's amazing! Part two's like, okay... Did you not listen to the last them. episode? What's that? Did you not listen to the last episode? I did. It's been a long... It's been since September 2015 since I listened to it. <laughs> yeah, that's where we talked about those two episodes together. Okay, well, I don't remember. It's been a long time. You're lucky I okay. remember your name. I don't remember either. <laughs> Do you know what? I might just change... Um, I, might, I might go in and edit this and just take out the bit where I say crappy and say fantastic and just have you get angry at me for no reason. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know? It would be even funnier if you just edit the whole episode and take all of my audio out and then you two are just sitting there talking to no one. Sort of like those Garfield strips where they remove Garfield's word balloons. And Garfield's Garfield's crazy. Garfield, yeah. Uh, uh, so, what? Uh, I only have one more note, and then I'm I'm tapped out. Which is, I do like when Lucy first meets the Doctor, and they're you know she's they're intruders, uh, and she just tells them exactly who she is, and then she's like, why yeah. am I doing that? Why am I telling you everything? And he's like, it's nice, isn't it? Or, or interesting, isn't it? I, I like that they just acknowledge the Doctor has this ability to get people to say whatever they want because it explains so much in the series. By, yeah, by having yeah. power. I like that he brings snacks. Yeah, he had a burger, he had some sushi. Yeah. That was funny. But that, that seems to be a thing with the Harmony Shoal people. They, they tend to put the doctor off his food. You know, first time we meet them, he's in a restaurant. The guy opens his head. He goes, are you sure you should be doing that? You know, people are trying <laughs> to eat. And then he takes out the burger in this one. And yeah, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> oh, we forgot about the most important thing when they visit Tokyo. And he creates the Pokemon in the lobby. Yes! Oh. I forgot about that. The Doctor has the power to create Pokemon. <laughs> well, I think it's, yeah, for Pokemon Go, man. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's, should have, should have mentioned that earlier when we were talking about the whole Doctor Who likes to plug into the current popularity of things. Say that Pokemon Go, that's gonna be a reference that's probably gonna be lost on future generations who watch Oh yeah, Go. nobody's gonna be like, he created yeah. Pokemon in the lobby. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but well, I mean, as long as people are still playing Pokemon, the idea that you have to catch them all will still resonate. Probably. Plus, the fact that all of these things are literally set in specific years, you know, we know this is 2016, so... Do we? Yeah. Do they say that? Yeah. Oh, they did in the, in the episode? They, they identified the year? I sure, why not? <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I'm gonna say they did. If they didn't, well, obviously everyone who's watched the episode missed it when they said it. You're creatively I'm, rewriting history. Very nice. <laughs> My only other note is the fact that um, he, he flies off with Lucy to have fun times, which is like the Puma Man for, from the old Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> the Puma Man. They're Puma Man. <laughs> using his powers to, to do fun things in the sky. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine what that would be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, is that us? I think yeah, we covered. I think, I think we've covered I, everything. <laughs> I think the episode was a real win. It was a lot of fun. Clearly showed their love for the Superman culture. You know the, the Christopher Reeve films, all of that, and I, I think it was an absolute success and a complete hoot. And I, it sort of reinvigorated my fandom of Doctor Who. And I can't wait for the convention in a month. And I can't yeah. wait for the new episodes in about uh, three months. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Uh see where this goes. Everything that I've seen from the, the next season that's upcoming looks like it's going to be very interesting, to say the least. It looks like it's going to be fun, no matter what, but I've been wrong before. Hopefully I'm not wrong this time. <laughs> well, now we just have to wait. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, regenerating this podcast and nice. bringing us on to uh, chat for this episode. I'm so glad to be back together talking about Doctor Who. No yes, problem. I, uh... I'm ready to, to, to carry on with this as well, because uh, now there's new Who, there's new uh, Who True Freaks. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping to look at some of the older stuff sometime. Cause yeah. We, we, we haven't touched I, on that in I a while. I need to do that as well, so throw out an idea, and I'm sure we can rely on Shag to, to do something like that. I'm, I'm happy to go back and pick up on any uh, any serials that might be worth uh, giving a uh, in-depth discussion to. It's cool. been a long time, so we'll we'll talk off air. But I'm I think let's uh you know let's start, let's do some return to greatness and find a good Tom Baker one to go back to. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, we'll hopefully see you next time. 
and remember, everything ends and it's always sad. But everything begins again too, and that's always happy. So be happy. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Grant, uh, remember when you're finished, throw that thing into the sun. <laughs> <laughs>